It's good to be in the Lord's house this afternoon. Thank you so much for being here with us this afternoon, and thank you, church, as Pastor said, for the wonderful meal and the great fellowship. It was definitely a pleasure to spend some time with you, as well as to get some new, get to know some new folks to us. It's a blessing to see what God is doing here at Victory. So glad you're here with us. Let's take God's Word and turn to Romans 13, and the afternoon message is going to be found right here in the few verses that we are looking at for the theme of the revival. We are talking about its time, and let's look at verse 11 and verse 12 before we introduce the topic for the afternoon hour. In Romans 13, verse 11, the Word of God says, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Unbeknownst to me, not thinking about the afternoon service to come, but now having eaten a wonderful meal, I think the title is very appropriate. The title is, It's Time to Wake Up. Now maybe you know the battle of what that's like, having a fellowship meal and then preaching or listening to preaching. But it's more serious than what we've just made it sound. This is a big deal considering the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's jump right now into point one with this. It's time to wake up out of spiritual slumber. Notice what it says in verse 11. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. We are not here to discuss if it's right to go to bed late and to get up later the next day or to go to bed early and get up early in the morning. We know that different people have different schedules. This is dealing with a spiritual slumber. Have you ever had somebody in your life that was extremely difficult to wake up? Now, I don't know about you, but my parents would say, get up, get up, get out of bed, get up, get up, you sleepyhead. And recently I learned that you don't want to be oversleeping in pastor's house or he might go get a bucket of water and throw it on you to wake you up. Sleep. Sleep is important. Sleep is a big deal. Ecclesiastes says the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. But what we are dealing with here in Romans 13 is a spiritual slumber that is not sweet. A spiritual slumber that is not good. Our pastor's daughter was very difficult to wake up as a teenager. We had the privilege of taking her on a wonderful trip to Alaska to be able to see some mission field and be able to be part of the ministry when she was 16 years old. Now she had the privilege of driving back with us through the Alcan, and we had already learned that our pastor's daughter was a very difficult person to wake up. Unless you went too fast on the Alaska-Canadian Highway and found yourself hitting a dip that you didn't know was going to be so drastic. And I remember looking up in the rearview mirror and Emily's hair went all over the place as she jolted awake in the back of the vehicle. 
I have a dear friend that in his sleep, he would do things that he did not otherwise know he was doing. If he were here, he would tell you this story. One night when he was up in Alaska with us on a trip, we were sitting around the dinner table. And he said, guys, I used to sleepwalk when I was a kid. And I thought, Lord, I hope he doesn't sleepwalk tonight at my in-law's house. And he told us a story of how when he was a kid, he was flying over the house that he lived in and over the countryside. He got to see from a bird's eye view what it was like to look down upon his home. And then he woke up to excruciating pain as in his sleep, he jumped from the second story over the steps and landed at the bottom, the landing of his steps, and had broken his ankle. And he did it all in his sleep, and he did not know it until he woke up to the pain. He was a true sleepwalker. And I thought, Lord, I hope he doesn't do it up here in Alaska. And so that night, I heard something. It woke me up. It was my friend at the cabin in Alaska. It's a loft that looks over a railing to the living room. And I opened up the door, having heard something, hoping it wasn't my friend. And I looked down the hall toward the loft, toward the railing. And there's my friend looking over the edge of the railing into the living room area. And I thought, oh no, he's going to jump and he has no idea what he's doing. Especially after the story he just told us earlier. And so I did this. I cried out his name in a whisper. I said, brother so-and-so, brother so-and-so. And he turned around, and this is when I found out he was sleepwalking. He started waddling in my direction like a penguin, saying, what, 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 It scared me half to death. I shut the door, I locked the door, and I said, brother so-and-so, go to bed. And I waited for a second. And all of a sudden I heard him turn around and go into the door and shut the door to that room. And the next morning I asked him, do you remember what you did last night? He said, what I did last night? He had no clue what he did. He was in such a sleep and doing something that he did not recall. And what I was trying to do was get his attention when he was in his sleep. And somehow in a subtle little way, I was able to do so. And I wonder how many times God is looking at us saying, trying to get our attention, wake up. You're in a spiritual slumber. You're not paying attention. There's some things I'm wanting to do in this life. There's some things I'm doing. There's some things you're missing out on. There's some things I want you to be a part of. Wake up out of your sleep. It's time to wake up out of spiritual slumber. Notice what it says in verse 11 again of chapter 13. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Number two, it's time to wake up to Christ coming. We mentioned it earlier in Sunday school about the times and the seasons. And how many people can understand biblically that Christ is going to come again? He came the first time as a child born of a virgin. He went to the cross and the Jews missed out. 
The Jews thought he had come to establish his reign, his rule with a rod of iron. But the first time he came, he came as a suffering servant. The second time he comes, he comes with the government upon his shoulder. He comes to rule and reign with a rod of iron. He comes to establish his leadership. And can you imagine what it's going to be like to have a perfect leadership? To have somebody who judges correctly? To have somebody who sets all things in order and rules in such perfection? Well, this verse is dealing with the fact that Christ is coming again. Our salvation is nearer than when we believed. We looked at it in the morning message. There was a moment in our life when we believed in Jesus Christ if we are one of His. Right now, can you recall that moment where you believed in Jesus Christ? Well, now that we are to today, our salvation, His rescuing us, is nearer than when we first believed. I don't know about you, but there's been a lot that's happened in my Christian life since I first believed. And with every day, and with every step, I am nearer to that glorification. One of these days, I shall see Him, the Bible says. And when I see Him, I shall be like Him, for I shall see Him as He is. It's a wonderful thing to consider. It's time to wake up to Christ coming. As we consider waking up to Christ coming... I mentioned that knowing the doctrine is different than applying the doctrine. If you know Christ is coming, the Bible says you ought to be praying. If you know that Christ is coming, the Bible says you ought to be of a sober mind and hospitable to one another. If you know that Christ is coming, you've got to watch and you've got to be ready. I, I remember my uncle, one of the uncles that was known as our fun uncle. We loved playing street hockey with Uncle Randy. Uncle Randy was involved in the medical field and training to become a, a pediatrician. And the whole reason he was training to be a pediatrician was because he saw my mom and dad struggle with my three-year-old brother and pass away when he was three. And all of a sudden, my uncle had a goal in life, had a destination and direction. I'm going to be a pediatrician. I'm going to help people like my sister get through what it is that they are going through. So my uncle's going through medical school. And my mom says, Justin Dennis, get ready. Your uncle's coming over. Now, my uncle was known for being late all the time, like Miss Bridget yesterday running around, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late, you know, all those things. My uncle wouldn't run around saying that. He'd try to say the exact opposite, but we all knew the truth. Uncle Randy was always late, but he was still the fun uncle. And so here we are. It didn't matter how bruised up we became when playing with Uncle Randy. It didn't matter who got hurt, and normally it was my younger brother, two years younger than me, getting a hockey puck to the face. I mean... He just had it happen all the time. We still looked forward to Uncle Randy coming. And I remember one day, we're waiting for that firebird to come around the corner. Lights popped up. We're waiting for Uncle Randy to come. Well, he said he'd be here at 2 p.m. 
But he's not here yet. 2.15. We're looking at the clock. We're waiting. We're peering through the windowsill. When is Uncle Randy going to get here? You know your uncle. He's always late. And from our perspective, it had been hours since he said he was supposed to be there. And oh, happy day when that firebird came around the corner and he parked in our driveway and he pulled out his inline skates and his hockey puck and his stick and we started playing. Guys, I'm telling you, Christ is coming again. And we need to be watching. We need to be ready. Here's the question according to this passage. Are we ready for Christ's coming? Are we awake to the fact that it could be any day, any hour, is our house in order? Are we prepared to meet the Lord? It's time to wake up to Christ's coming. It's time to wake up out of spiritual slumber. Number three, it's time to wake up by considering the time that we are wasting. Look at what it says in verse 11. And that knowing time, that now it is to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Verse 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. It's time to wake up. Here's the question. Are we wasting time for the Lord? Are we not concerned about living our life for Him? The night is spent, the day is at hand, His coming is closer than when we believed. We need to get determined, we need to get busy, we need to wake up, we need to stop wasting time. Have you ever wasted something? Now I remember working at Dairy Queen and the opportunity to waste food or not waste food. There were times at Dairy Queen where it was so busy and then 10 p.m. happened and we shut everything down and there were chicken nuggets or chicken tenders and french fries. God forbid that they should go to waste. Somebody needs to take these home. Maybe somebody's worked at a pizza place and your family got so tired of you bringing home pizza because you didn't want the pizza to go to waste. It's easy, though, to let things go to waste when the newness loses its flavor in our life. And I tell you what, concerning the Christian life, somehow, somewhere, and for some reason, we have become discontent and not concerned with a spiritual life. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. It is time to stop wasting precious moments for the Lord. Maybe we've wasted food. Maybe we've wasted a season of our life. Maybe we've wasted free time where we determined beforehand we were going to get something done. But time passed us so quickly. Maybe you know what it's like to waste your money on something. And the list goes on and on. May we understand that our life can only be lived once for the Lord. Let's not waste the breath that God has given to us. Let's live for the glory of God. I, I love the testimony of Jesus when he was 12 years old. Do we have anybody 12 years old in this place? Think about it with me. If you're close to that age, it says this about Jesus in Luke 2.52. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now, I know he had a supernatural purpose as the Messiah, the Christ, the chosen one. 
But your Bible says that even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. Hey, I believe in you kids. You guys can make a decision for the glory of God and you can choose to live for God just like anybody else. Jesus had quite the testimony and so can you. Paul would even say, the great missionary, he would say in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. In essence, I've learned not to waste my days as a man. I have a different way of thinking, a different perspective now, as he gives the illustration of maturing. And as believers, we ought to be maturing spiritually. We ought not waste our days. We ought to say, dear God, I want to apply my heart unto wisdom. Teach me to number my days. I want to know that life is short. I don't want to waste my time for the Lord. Paul is even noted for saying this in Ephesians 5, verse 15 through 17. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. For those of you who were in the fellowship hall just a little bit ago, and the door was shut, and what fell off the wall? The clock! And it shattered, it got our attention. We looked in that direction. There is a mess. The unwise would say, Oh, there's glass on the floor. I'm going to walk through it and see if I don't get hurt. That would not be a very wise thing to do, right, Caleb? Oh no, it would not be a good thing to do. Just like that, you must understand that as a believer, you're supposed to walk circumspectly. You're supposed to observe in all directions. You're supposed to understand as best you can what is going on. Apply your heart to wisdom and say, I should go that way or I should not go that way. I don't want to be unwise. I want to be wise. I don't want to be a fool, but I want to live for the glory of God. I want to redeem the time because the days are evil. Let's not waste our days for the Lord. And guess what, kids? In Ecclesiastes, God tells us in chapter 12, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. Hey, Noah, God created you. Hey, other Noah, God created you. Now let me reverse that. Hey, Noah, God created you. Hey, other Noah, God created you. Both of you are precious in God's eyes. Every single one of you, Elijah, every one of you guys, so precious in the eyes of the Lord. And you know what God says? Remember now thy Creator. Andrew, don't wait till you say, well, you know what? When I get 18 years old, then is when I'm going to remember God. No, no, no. Today. Some people say, you know what? When I get out of the house and I get married and I have kids, then I'll remember God. Well, you know what happens at that point? At that point, there's another excuse. There's another reason. And you say, you know what? After I raise kids, and therefore you're not taking your kids to church. After I raise kids, and when they're out of the house, then I'll get serious about God. And you know what the Bible teaches us? The Bible teaches we need to remember God now because there's coming a day. And you kids, you remember... 
when I was at the table earlier acting like I was 180 years old. I don't know what it looks like to be 180, but I sure tried acting like it, didn't I? Yeah, you remember. You're, I said, do you know where my teeth is? You know, that's what I said. There's days coming in a person's life, if they live long enough, that they're not able to do this as easy as they used to do because when you get old, things start to change. And God is saying, don't waste your time. Live for me while you can do this. While you can see. While you do have all your teeth. And you go through Ecclesiastes 12 and you see it lists those things. There's evil days coming in a person's life where they begin to realize their body's decaying. Their body's not what it used to be. I'm not as strong as I used to be. I can't go like I used to go. Hey kids, this is where we say, I don't want to waste my days. I want to become a young adult that doesn't run from God. I want to be a young adult who stays faithful to God because He is my everything. And I want Him to have the glory in everything that I do and say. Don't waste your time. Live for God. There is a fourth thing that I see here. It's time to wake up by casting off the works of darkness. This is a big deal. Notice as they're speaking to believers, it says in verse 12, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Casting off has the idea of taking something and removing it from yourself. You want to separate this from you. Okay, think about it this way. You wake up in the middle of the night and you realize there's a wolf spider crawling on your face. Oh, hey, wolf spider. I'm so glad you woke me up. Thank you for introducing yourself to me. Why don't you just go ahead and hang out the rest of the night right there? No! When you wake up to something crawling on your face, the first thing you do is swipe it off your face. You're separating that thing from yourself. You don't want it to be there. Some of us feel like this when it comes down to the works of darkness. I was in the state of North Carolina with a pastor friend that I graduated with, preaching revival for him. And we were, after the service, it was just he and another lady of the church and myself. And all of a sudden, as we're talking, a big spider comes walking across the tile. So... The pastor being Superman that he is, he jumped on that spider and squished that thing. Took his foot off. And when he did that, hundreds of little spiders escaped from mama spider. This is not a good thing. So if I could take you back to that scene, I would introduce you to my pastor friend now dancing across the floor and stomping every single little spider as he could because he didn't like the fact that that just happened. And some of us feel like when we cast off the works of darkness, it's so much of a struggle. But I tell you what, when you cast those things off, you are saying, I understand this has no place in my Christian life. I don't want it here. And it's not just saying the work of darkness. It says the works of darkness. And he actually talks about a couple of them. And notice how intense it can be in a believer's life. It says this in verse 13. Let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in rioting. If I were to give you a simple definition of rioting, it would be as in letting loose, reveling. This is others 
that are living in debauchery or unrestrained morality. This is indulging in sin. This is the mind that doesn't care what they're doing. I will do what I want to do, whether you think it's wrong or not. And what we need to understand is what is right before God and what is wrong before God. And if God says it's right, that's what I want to do. If God says it's wrong, I don't want to do it. Notice it says this in the next words. In rioting and drunkenness. This is dealing with the intoxication. And it's one of the specific statements in sin in this list that is right here. And all the repercussions of one who is involved in the drunkenness that could also lead to the rioting and the immorality. And then to further strengthen the understanding, Paul says, not in chambering. You say, preacher, what does the word chambering mean? It's very simple. Have you ever heard somebody refer to a chamber in their castle or a chamber in their house? It had the origination as a bedroom, and since then, it has become like politically a chamber where groups meet to discuss political things, etc., business meetings, things like that. But originally, this word has the idea of a bedroom. In fact, in another passage in the Bible, in Luke, it deals with that, that statement of importunity where the man comes and knocks on the door and Jesus is teaching on prayer and the man says, my children are with me in my bed. Why are you going to wake me up? I don't have time to minister to your need, for lack of better words. The bed, the chamber. But we read Romans 13 and understand it's not just dealing with a bedroom. It's dealing with the sinfulness of immoral actions that can take place in that way. It's talking about someone whose lifestyle is not the way it should be, and they are living in sin and immoral actions. And Paul is saying this to believers. Believers, it's time to cast off rioting. It's time to cast off drunkenness, not in chambering. And then there's a big fancy word, and wantonness. That word wantonness. You are wasting your life mercilessly, mer merciless, inhumane, lewd, and sensual ways. You are out of check. You have no limitations in your sin. You are living in such a way that says, I have no foundation. I'll do what I want to do. You are lascivious, which is a big word, also a Bible word. You are licentious, having the idea of the sledges and being filthy in the way of living, including these vices that you're attaching yourself to. Thus, you are abusing the grace of God. You are wasting your testimony for the glory of God. You are living in a way that doesn't speak to God's wonderful salvation, but is only showing the works of the flesh and the works of darkness. And the exhortation here is, as we know that Christ is coming, we are to cast these things off. Just like waking up with that spider on our face. Get off! I don't want this. Here it is. We've got a big problem in our life if we are okay with that sin. Sometimes we know that we have the problem when we'll point out the same exact issue in somebody else's life and we'll talk down on it, but we won't address the issue in our own life. And Paul says, cast it off. There's a fourth thing that is mentioned here. 
our fifth thing, and that is it's time to wake up by putting on the armor of light. Read what it says with me in verse number 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. You say, preacher, what's the definition of cast off? Just like this. You don't want it. Now, if you'll allow me a little liberty, I'm going to go get that and I'm going to use it for the rest of my illustration, okay? So now I've cast off the works of darkness and over here I see Jesus Christ. I see the armor of light. Paul had a way of talking about the weapons of warfare, talking about Christ and putting Him on. He had a way as he would grow in his maturity of talking about putting on in your life the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. The words put on are simply this. I'm going to take it and I'm going to put it on. I'm putting on Jesus Christ. It's just that simple. So that means I understand I don't need these things in my life that are called works of darkness, but I need the armor of light. I need the weapons of warfare as it talks about in Ephesians 6. I need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what it says in verse 13. Let us walk honestly. I forget who we were talking with earlier, but we mentioned one of the kids in the class. So honest. So honest with where they were at in what they were doing. And I love how honest kids can be, right? They'll just state the truth of where they're at or what needs to be done. It's about time that we wouldn't only state in honesty where we are at and where we need to be, but it's also about time we start walking honestly. Not just, not just well, this is how I want people to see me. No, 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 no. I know that God sees me. God knows me. And in honesty, I'm walking for His glory. This is who I am. I know I'm a sinner, but I'm a sinner saved by grace. And as best as I possibly can, with my understanding, I've cast off the works of darkness, and I have put on the armor of light, and I'm living for Jesus. I'm walking honestly as in the day. Notice what it says in verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Here's the simple truth. By illustration. Brother Justin, he loves peanut butter M&M's. Oh yes, Brandon, I do. Peanut butter M&M's. I enjoy it. You get me a party size bag. If I haven't eaten lunch, I'll eat the whole party size bag. And I don't have any after effects from it. It's amazing. I love it. But you know what? If I am going to be healthy, what I can't do is I can't afford to have peanut butter M&M's sitting around me all the time. Because when I have them sitting around me all the time, I'm going to choose the peanut butter M&M's. So here's what I've started doing. I've started buying almonds in its place. And as a kid, I did not like nuts. Get this, my uncle, the fun one, he took me and my brother when we were young to the gas station. I mean, I'm talking, I was three or four years old. We go to the gas station, Uncle Randy says, pick out something. I picked out a Snickers. I walk into our house back home. Oh, hey, my mom said, did you like your time? Do you have fun with Uncle Randy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
Uncle Randy was asked by my mom, what did they get? And my uncle told my mom what my brother got. And then my uncle said, yeah, Justin got a Snickers. My mom looked at me, spit them out, she said. And I spit out the peanuts. I don't know how I did it. But I ate the Snickers without eating the peanuts. I haven't liked nuts. But recently, I've started liking them. But here's the thing. If I've got my peanut butter M&M's, and I went ahead and bought my almonds, they're both expensive. If you haven't noticed, the M&M's are going to win out every single time. Because they're just so much better to me. But if I don't have the peanut butter M&M's around, you know what I'm talking about. If they're not there, I only have the almonds to eat. So let's read that verse again in verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is after you've cast away. And I'm not saying that I'll never have peanut butter M&M's again. I'm looking forward to that day. But for illustration's sake, after you've cast off the works of darkness, you've put on Jesus Christ. It says, make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. If you've got a sin problem and you know it, if you've got an addiction and you know it, if you've got something in your life that is a snare, don't make a way for you to access it. Don't make a way to enter into that sin. Remove yourself from it. Get people around you who are going to be there to hold you accountable. They're not your enemies. They're your friends. Because iron sharpens iron. And they're going to help you overcome what it is you're struggling with. You can't afford as a believer to fall asleep spiritually. You need to wake up. Wake up to spiritual slumber. Wake up to Christ's coming. Wake up. And don't waste your life. Wake up and cast off the works of darkness. Wake up by putting on the armor of light. It's time. And I believe you'll find out there's a little reviving that starts to happen in your spiritual life. When you simply wake up to these things. Sometimes a preacher does exactly what your pastor used to do by pouring a bucket of water on somebody. Waking them up spiritually. And sometimes it's as simple as calling us to wake up. Other times it's as simple as us saying, you know what? I just need to get up. I've been asleep for too long. And you'll find out it's better when you just get up. It's time to wake up. Let's pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we love you and we're so thankful for how you encourage us spiritually. That spiritual alarm clock is going off in our lives. And we want to be alert to it. We don't want to drown it out. We want to invite you into our lives. We want you to stir the pot. We want you to give a reviving. And now, Lord, we come before you as saints who simply desire to live for you. And so we want to be obedient to these things. And we want to purpose to do these things that we've talked about. I pray that there would be a great reviving in our hearts. But we know it's not going to come by accident. So Lord, if there's somebody here who's struggling with something, help them to say, I'm not going to make provision for that anymore. Help them to cast off the works of darkness. Help them to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and decide with purpose they'll step forward for your glory. Revive us again, please, in Jesus' name. Pastor, if you would come.